Hi, everyone, and welcome to Andy's Treasure Trove once again. This is episode 20, and I'm your host, Andy Moore. You know, I started this podcast in 2008 because I realized that I know a whole lot of interesting people, uh, especially in art, music, cinema, literature, and comedy. Some of them are famous, some not, but they all have interesting stories to tell, and I love recording conversations with them and then sharing them with you. I've got lots of recorded interviews in my archive just waiting to be edited and presented to you, and there are always lots of fascinating new people to meet, especially when you move to a new state as I just have. I'm speaking to you now from my new home in Tucson, Arizona. After 40 years in San Francisco, my partner Jack and I have started a new chapter of our lives in the Sonoran Desert of Southern Arizona. More on that in future episodes. Something else that's new is the music at the beginning of the show, recorded from a very old music box that belongs to a dear friend of mine here in Tucson. Let me know what you think of it as an opening theme. I'm also very proud to announce that I have a brand new website that I'd love for you to explore at andystreasuretrove.com. It has some new photos and videos for you to peruse, as well as some of the films I made in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and a whole lot of videos that I've made since. This episode of Andy's Treasure Trove is shorter than most of them. It's only about 20 minutes long, and it features two great fans of my podcast, Peter and Kath Hart from London. When my family and I were in London a few years ago, we spent a very pleasant day with them, and then I presented them with some Andy's Treasure Trove t-shirts and recorded a short interview with Peter about things that he'd mentioned during the day, including stories about his grandfather's experiences in the British film industry, and the small village of South Ascot, where he grew up. Peter also tells us about some British condiments that you might want to seek out and try. Kath chimes in at the end, and we parted company with warmth in our hearts and some insights into England that only real Brits could provide. Let's listen now. This is Peter Hart, and I'm on Andy's Treasure Trove. Yes, Peter Hart, you are on Andy's Treasure Trove. and (laughs) We're in London, England, and you and your wife have just taken us around some of the British hot spots. Um, what was that phrase you used earlier about it's not half hot? Oh, it ain't half hot, mum. <laughs> Translated, it means it isn't half hot, mum. And today it's it's a little muggy, so I would say it is half hot. It is very hot, yeah. For me, not for you, I know, because you, you can take the heat, but we can't here. Uh-huh. This, for us, this is a heat wave. Now, you were telling me some interesting stories, uh, among them uh, your grandfather's activity in the British film industry. And tell me a little bit about that. Well, after the First World War, grandfather came back. He was in the veterinary corps in the First World War and just saw too much slaughter of animals and things like this. And he just didn't want to be, be a vet anymore. So through uh, friends and a relative, he got into the British film industry in the silent days and early sound. And this went right through to the 50s. And he was involved in all kinds of different films. Um, Once I mentioned uh, the Lavender Hill mob, Whiskey Galore, um, Lady Killers and all those. And um, one in particular, uh, the um, London Belongs to Me film, um, which was um, Dickie Attenborough was starring. And uh, they needed an Austin 12 
uh, motor car, black motor car. I think all cars were black then anyway. Um, and all, they wanted one. And overnight, he acquired one. And that started his career, not just as a rigger in films, but also as a prop provider, which apparently was quite lucrative for him. And he hired the vehicle for the rest of the film to them. And he went on and did that with rigging, and he also did uh, providing different props for different films. He used to find out what the film was before he went on the film, and then craftily went round buying up goods and things that he could... Uh, a rent to rent out, always on the eye for the profit. Yeah, he had a very long career in the films. And you mentioned uh, he played a very crucial role in the Noel Coward film, In Which We Serve. It was, yes. He was in the tank. One of the frigate was being tossed around in a storm. He was in the tank, because it was a scaled-down model, uh, in his waders with other crew members, rocking the boat and pushing it forward. And he uh, he would spoil his five daughters' career uh, going to the movies by um, coming back. Oh no, I know how that was done. We used to do this and that and the other. So they totally totally sport the experience of going to the film by telling them, especially about one in particular. I don't know if I should mention this. Perhaps you might edit this out. Alan Ladd was over filming, and they had to dig a trench for him, so and he could walk along, or. The lady, or he would go up on a platform. There was always adjustments made because of his height, and he, he had many stories about Alan Ladd. Some, some he didn't always tell us because they were a bit naughty. But uh, yeah, he had some good stories. Uh, speaking of naughtiness, you said that you were a naughty boy. Did I? You did. Oh, the policeman. Yes, uh, we were talking about the police in our local village, and it used to be um, Sergeant Adams. And he ruled our village from his allotment, which is um, a, a place where they grow the vegetables uh, as a group. A group of you would do it. And um, you would find his sergeant's coat hung over a, an implement, a fork or something in the garden. And there he would be, a big, big man with his braces. And he knew what was going on in the village. And if he turned up at your doorstep and he wanted to see you, and your mother and father opened the door. You, your mother and father knew because he was a fair man. Whatever he was going to do, you, you deserved it. And he would come to the door, and it was about scrumping, which is um, stealing apples from someone's orchard when you shouldn't be, even though they were windfalls. You know, hey, they, they weren't going to last long, were they? But anyway, so we got there. He, he opened the door. My father opened the door. And he said, I'd like to speak to young Peter. And he, I came to the door and he uh, said, was that you? Blah, blah, blah. I said, yes. He clipped me round the ear. Now, today that wouldn't happen because your father would spring, hopefully spring to your defence. But no, as soon as I shut the door, he walked away. That was it. No more reports, nothing done. My father clipped my ear as well, saying I, I deserved it. And that's how Sergeant Adams ruled our little village of South Ascot. And you said that he... He wasn't disliked. He was well-respected. No, he was very well-respected in the village. He used to deal with everything. It was only him. I think the village was a better place for it. Yeah. Earlier today, we were talking about movie westerns, and that seems like an example of frontier justice. Yes, I would agree. totally agree with that. You could not get away with it today, could you? No, no way. No, the liberals will be out and all over you. Now, you also told me a very interesting story uh, about 
one of your friends or relatives who lost an arm in the war? No, no, um, Gavin. Gavin Fairfax was um, a sports car racing driver. And uh, after the war, he, he and my father teamed up. My father was his racing um, engineer. And Gavin had an accident and um, lost an arm, so he couldn't drive race cars anymore. But he and my father opened up a garage called Gavin Fairfax Limited in Virginia Waters and sold some pretty nice cars and etc. Anyway, Gavin, as usual, couldn't cope much with um, being pinned down at any one place, so he went out to live with his, uh, his I think it was his brother in Australia. And if you've got to remember, that the brother was on a sheep farm in the middle of Australia. There was nothing, just scrub on one tree in hundreds of square miles. And Gavin, out for a ride in his car with one-handed on the, on the, on, on the farm, collided with that tree. And yes, you guessed it, he lost his other arm. So that's Gavin Fairfax for you. Now we're all tittering because this man lost his second arm, but I think we should be more solemn. But Gavin wouldn't have. He hit the only tree. I mean, that was, that, was his, um, that was his career as a racing driver as well. If it would go wrong, it went wrong for Gavin. Yeah, that's why he's not known, and most likely nobody knows anything about him. But, uh, but he was a lovely man. Now, where do you live now, and where are you planning to move to? Well, we live in a little place called Walton-on-Thames, just outside of London, about half an hour on a train very near to um, Hampton Court Palace, which is where Edward VIII and Henry, sorry, well, corrected by my wife, and uh, yeah, Henry VIII, uh, William and Mary, um, it was Wolseley's place first, and Wolseley, Cardinal Wolseley, gave it to Henry to um, keep himself in, in with the old boy. And it didn't work because he still lost his head, but there you go. Um, it's a beautiful palace. It's been added to by William and Mary and others over the years, and we live very close to there. And we very deem ourselves very fortunate to to live there. Um, but it, well, all the children have moved, dispersed. Australia, Germany, Edinburgh, um, Bristol, Bracknell. Uh, we've decided to um, disperse ourselves and move out back out into the country, and hopefully, um, on our return trip from. Australia this summer, we're going to go lo relocate in um, Wiltshire, hopefully, North Wiltshire. It's just far enough away from the city in, in a beautiful countryside of North Wiltshire, um, which is full of history. The Ridgeway, the Battle of Roundway and all those roundheads and the Cavaliers. It's a fantastic area. I should say that um, we met because you found my podcast on iTunes. Yes. You were look, doing some research on Christopher Isherwood, yeah. and you found my interview with Don Bacardi. And, and not only did you find it and, and listen, but you let me know that you existed. And here we are in person. I know, it's incredible, isn't it? It's wonderful. Science annihilates distance, doesn't it, really? <laughs> I think that was... No, that wasn't Christopher Isherwood. It was someone else. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, no I, I believe in you hear something good. There's always people moaning, moaning about things are bad and things like that. When you hear something really good, which the podcasts are, it's, it's nice to, to, to say you enjoyed them and uh, hopefully spread the word. Just feel a bit that people are not, they're missing out. Because some of them are just, just brilliant. Uh, the last one, Bob and Ray, that was, that was brilliant. I, I loved that program. 
so that you, and you get introduced to all these new new things don't you so if you don't do that you don't listen to your type of podcast or anything like that you just remain in a narrow field don't you you don't expand i just i think it's brilliant i love it thank you so much now um like many people that i interview you are an artist yourself of sorts yes Uh, i'm a i'm an amateur really um uh, over the years i've I've always painted though from from as young as i can remember it's been um art through um school always first at school with art but I always, always drew in a very um, particular manner, precise manner. And as I said before, I just changed to um, uh, a different style, a figurative, expressionist, stroke, abstract. And um, that's from American artists who I accidentally again found online, uh, Mel McCuddin. And I think he's brilliant. And his tech pod, um, YouTube podcast uh, sh- show on how, I think it lasts about seven minutes, on how he, he produces his work is exp- extraordinary. Anyone out there, go on YouTube. If you're, you're an artist and, you're, and you want to know a different direction, just, just watch that video and, and uh, it'll lead you in different directions. It has done for me and I'm enjoying it very much. And you mentioned you found a community of artists on Flickr who would comment on each other's art in, 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 in a mostly constructive way. Yeah, yeah, Flickr. Um, because I left school and then went to the army and finally the fire service and everything, I only ever really did art as an adult education. Um, the biggest um, art education has come from Flickr. It's been brilliant. Uh, the people there, the other artists are very generous with their comments. Most of them, I would say 99%, are actually you know, really constructive and want to help you. Some of them are, like me, just amateurs. Um, most of them though, are professional, uh, mostly Americans and Europeans, but mostly in America, and they'll quite happily tell you, you know, give you advice, whether you want it or not. <laughs> That's the thing. If you go on and you put your work on there, you've got to be able to take it. But you get the opportunity to give it as well, because they put their work on and you're able to comment on their work. And it's been a great experience. And if any of them are listening, thanks very much for helping me. Um, We just had lunch in a pub and talked about many things, including a few of the food items that uh, you thought we should know about. And would you mind uh, talking about that again? No, no. Marmite. If no one has ever tasted Marmite, you must really, really get down to your nearest English store and buy some Marmite. You'll either hate it or you love it and become an addicted to it and can't, can't live without it. The Marmite is a yeasty extract spread that goes on best on toast, which is a, a, a lovely treat. Bovril is another one. It's a, um, bovril is a beef extract, which is mainly used in stews, flavour stews, but also as a hot drink. Uh, it's a lovely hot, makes them really nice. Two good heap spoonfuls of that in a cup of boiling water and... Ah, uh, heaven. Uh, what was it? I forgot what the other one was. There was three, wasn't there? Um, brown sauce. Or you get... There's two varieties, Daddy's or HP brown sauce. And that's, again, great with um, beef or meat, any meats, or just egg and chips. Just a little dab of brown sauce makes the difference i hopefully you've inspired someone to try something new well I, yeah i would say try online because 
you can get anything online and uh, it's worth the effort. Hi there, this is Kath and I'm on Andy's Treasure Trove too. Many, many thanks to Kath and Peter for being fans of Andy's Treasure Trove, for actually contacting me to let me know that they enjoy the show, for sharing their London with me and my family, and for Peter's stories. You can see a photo of me giving them Andy's Treasure Trove t-shirts on andystreasuretrove.com. I hope that you'll make yourself known to me by reaching out to me via my website, by leaving a review of this podcast on iTunes, and by sharing Andy's Treasure Trove with your friends. In addition to the treasures that I share with you on this podcast, you are in Andy's Treasure Trove simply because you are a listener. I thank you very much, and I'll see you soon. Bye for now.